couple of years ago, and some of you maybe recall, the Pope was making a visit to New York City. Uh, what you may not know is that he decided he was going to take a tour of the city. And in fact, not only was he going to take a tour, he wanted uh, to drive the car for a while. Well, as sure as can be, he went through a red light. And he got caught by New York's finest. And it was curious to the, the station, the men back at the station, to see, well, what happened when you, you stopped uh, the, the car? You know, you knew it was clearly uh, from another country. What, what did you do? He said, well, I, I could not. I could not write a ticket for going through the red light. Well, why, why was that so? Why couldn't you write a ticket for him? He said, well, there was somebody very, very important in the back seat. He said, perhaps more important than anybody I've ever met. And uh, the policemen back at the station said, well, how did you know that? Well, he said, he had to be important because the Pope was his chauffeur. <laughs> you know, humor contributes uh, to our faith. It, it helps us to gain a, a different perspective on things that matter, uh, things that we anticipate or things that we expect, and we get the opposite, and it surprises us. It helps us not only to cope with daily trials, but to see a different path going forward, to see things differently, and to trust that God's leading, especially in the desert times, and to believe in a home that is not made with human hands. When Paul says, we look to things that last, not things that decay, He's reminding the Corinthian Christians, this among his first churches, by the way, uh, great diversity in this uh, new congregation that he formed in the late 40s, early 50s. He focuses not on the things that decay and rust, but the things that are eternal. The things that are seen are things that are, are, are material things. The things that are unseen are things eternal. Uh, there's a difference between those things that decay and rust and, and pass away and those things that last forever. I was reminded of, and that fits uh, our congregation fairly well, it fits me certainly, good comments from Bill, of uh, a statement made attributed to Ben Franklin. He was going down the streets of Philadelphia one day uh, in his older age, and he was greeted by one who said, well, how goes it with Ben Franklin today? And he responded, or at least it's attributed to him, well, Ben Franklin's in good shape, but the house in which he's living is falling apart. <laughs> I said with Sharon, you know, a perspective on your life today is that this is the youngest you'll ever be. <laughs> the house in which Ben Franklin is living is falling apart. That's an insight, uh, a momentary insight into thinking differently about how we see the world and how we see ourselves in it. Paul sees with eyes of faith, the things that are eternal, the things that are comparable to the earthly things but are eternal by very nature. That God who goes with us is the important thing to grasp in this life. God who goes with us on the journey and empowers us to overcome uh, disappointments or discouragement or even great surprises that change our way of thinking about where we're going. You know, my favorite story, and I've shared it here when I first came, about a man who wanted to go to Rochdale, England. I hope some of you remember that story. That was one of my favorites and still remains so. Also, there is a Rochdale, England, by the way. But he wanted to go to Rochdale, 
and it was the weekend. And unfortunately, the train doesn't stop in Rochdale on the weekends. And so he was a little discouraged, but he was not to be undone. And so he went to the ticket window, and as he was in line, he said, I want to go to Rochdale uh, this, this Saturday. And he said, oh, sir, didn't they, somebody tell you the train never stops in Rochdale on the weekends? Well, he stayed in line, and he got his ticket, but the ticket agent said to him, Sir, I hate to disappoint you, but the train does not stop in Rochdale on the weekends. And he went to the conductor, and, and sure as shooting, he said the same thing. I really hate to disappoint you, sir, but this train doesn't stop in Rochdale, and I see that's your destination. It doesn't stop in Rochdale on the weekends. But he got on the train anyhow. And the conductor, having pity on him, came up and told him a little later, and he said, I talked to the engineer. And he said, the train doesn't stop in Rochdale on the weekends, but there's a curb coming into town, and the train will slow down. And we made an agreement that it will slow down just for you. You can get off, but you're going to have to jump off the train. And please run as fast as you can in the direction the train is going, otherwise you'll hurt yourself. The train, you know, doesn't stop in Rochdale on the weekends. And so he agreed, and sure enough, as the train approached Rochdale, it slowed way down and got slower and slower. And the man, seeing that this was his moment, opened the door and he jumped out and he ran in the direction of the train just as fast as he could run. But a person in the train a car in front of him saw him running and grabbed him back aboard the train and said, Sir, you don't know how lucky you are. This train never stops in Rochdale on the weekends. You know, some people may be thinking of that in their life right now. Uh, where is the future going? And where, uh, where am I going? What does it hold for me? And Paul knew the same thing. He was sure of himself. He knew where he was going with his life, but God had different plans in mind for Paul. He was certain that he had the power to, to go the direction that he was going to go with his life until he was surprised with the direction God had in mind for him. Train doesn't stop in Rochdale. It stops where God wants it to stop. Maybe some of you saw the movie Bucket List. Yeah, uh, we, you know it's amazing how that that phrase Bucket List is now in the the common language. Uh, it was a, a movie with Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. Perhaps some of you recall it. These uh, guys were approaching the end of their lives. They they knew it, and they wanted to do something that would last, that would be special, be important. In the last uh, last days they had together, you remember the, some of the stuff they did. I remember them jumping out of the airplane together. They did a whole lot of traveling together. They ate foods that uh, they probably shouldn't have eaten. Uh, they did all these wonderful things that were on their bucket list, the things they wanted to do and to experience before their time came. But if you think about that movie on the bucket list, it certainly has to do with what is important, because in the end, it's about relationship with God, our relationship, our sense of being forgiven and loved and accepted. It's about a relationship. Though our outer nature is wasting away, Paul said, our inner nature is being renewed every day. God's steadfast love endures forever. What is our relationship uh, with God like? Well, in that particular story, if you know how it ends, the bucket list is certainly what we remember in terms of our own bucket list. But the story ends with Jack Nicholson having restored 
relationship with his daughter. And that is the, the thing that is eternal is not transient things that are in front of us, but the relationships we have in God. Steadfast love never ends. God's steadfast love is faithful. Just as the song says, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies we see. And in this particular text in St. Paul, where he talks about things that are eternal being uh, those things that last, those things that uh, are, are intransient, those things that are not physical. Those are the things that last. It is about reconciliation. It is about forgiveness. It is about love. It is about mercy, not the things we have and can count on uh, that rust and decay. Steadfast love. This is where the, the phraseology or the thought came, and I've lifted it before you, and some of you have repeated it to me. What if we were spiritual beings having brief human experiences rather than human beings having an occasional spiritual experience? Paul, Paul gets it. The things that are precious to us, the things that are eternal, are the things we cannot uh, knock with our, our hand upon the wood, the things we cannot feel or touch, uh, the things that are eternal are the things of God. What instead of being physical beings having brief human experiences, excuse me, brief spiritual experiences, we are spiritual beings having brief human experiences. Our life is fixed with God eternally. That's the message that Paul brought to the church in Corinth and still resonates with us today. Put our trust in God's leading, especially in the desert times. I was uh, with a friend who's going through even, you know, there's something that doesn't altogether displease us. That's a quote by, I think it was Paul Tillich. Uh, even in the misfortune of our best friends, there's something that doesn't altogether displease us in the misfortune of our good friends. That is translated, misery loves company. I was with a, a friend who was going through a lot worse trials, and I, you know, there's something that when you feel a little better about being with somebody who's going through something worse than you, you, you feel a little bit better. And he helped me to feel better uh, that day. He was um, going through all kinds of questions and challenges. His plans were going to not. All the things he had structured, he wanted to move to Texas, he wanted to sell his house, it was all going to uh, unfold just the way he planned it. Well, one obstacle after another occurred, and he had to deal with the reality uh, that we make plans and, and God laughs. And I reminded him of that. It didn't altogether please him to hear that. But we, we have to realize that we have to put our hand in the hand of the man who stilled the water, put our hand in the man, hand of the man who calmed the sea, and then we will see things differently. I was uh, in Claremont. Claremont is a desert, uh, as some of you are, I'm sure, where I was at Claremont School of Theology going through uh, some classes in actually leadership development. And it was, a, it was a bad time. It was a desert time. You know, the desert is a metaphor not only for uh, hot weather and, and times of trial and stress, but it, it's, a, it's a time of great trial uh, in the desert. It's not just a hot, dry place. It's a, a literal sense of your mind of being in a, in a dry place. My wife's mother was dying in New England, and I was in Claremont. That's as far apart as you can get and still be in the same country. Uh, it was a difficult time and I was taking a class. And ironically, the class had a lot to do with desert times. 
and going through times of great difficulty. And it was about Israel uh, going through the desert times and always going ahead and coming to boundaries. And when they crossed the boundary, the question was, would they be faithful to God? Or would they begin to assimilate uh, the cultures of the countries into which they were passing? It had to do with crossing boundaries and keeping faith with God uh, during desert times. You know, the wandering in the desert, whether it was 40 years or four generations, doesn't make a lot of difference. It was a long, long time. And Israel was crossing one boundary after another. Would she be faithful uh, to God who was leading her through all those changes to the place where God wanted uh, Israel to be? And aren't we still like the Israelites on that journey? Aren't there people, you know, going through desert times right now? Uh, can they see the manna every morning? And can they be faithful to God during desert times, uh, assured that God is ultimately leading them home? That's what Paul is talking about, having a sense of the direction and the purpose in which God is calling us to go. Now, I'm thinking about this church as Pastor Cheng uh, becomes a pastor, uh, and I'm not here anymore, and he is the, the one guy leading this church. Where will we go in the future? Uh, and it's not necessarily a desert time, but it's a different time. And Pastor Cheng uh, certainly needs your prayers and your support. And it was uh, interesting to talk to a librarian who was teaching the class there in the desert, and uh, he was the one who put it kind of in a concrete sort of way. Now, the issue is not so much whether we are going through desert times or not, or going through changes, or what we expect or hope, but are we pilgrims or are we hobos? Uh, just a great thought to think about for those who are going through the journey. Are we God's people? Are we going where God wants us to go? Uh, are we trusting that God will provide the manna in the desert times for us? Are we pilgrims? Are we going to the home uh, that God calls us to go to? Or are we hobos? Do we have a sense of that eternal life into which God is calling us to go? Uh, that's what Paul's talking about. Our purpose is, is to be those as a, a pilgrim people on the journey to the eternal home that God has made, not with human hands, not, not made, as he said, as a tent maker. If the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, remember he was a tent maker. If the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building not made with human hands, eternal in the heavens. A moment's insight, not made with human hands. I had a, a friend, Harvey Wilcox by name, he was in his mid-70s, and he had been given a bad diagnosis about his, his future health. And he said, uh, kind of a, a whimsical way of approaching it, again, there's always some insight and humor, isn't there? I know one day the good Lord's going to call me home, he said. I just want him to know I'm none too homesick. <laughs> think about that. I think that's where most, most of us stand as a people of faith. Uh, I know that the good Lord's going to call me home one day, but we're still tied to the things we know on this earth, and we don't want to let go of that. Paul certainly knows that as he addresses the, the Christian community in Corinth. Our purpose is not here. It is beyond this world. It's in a place uh, not made with human hands, prepared in a place we call heaven. A moment's insight about Jesus' words comes from John, the 14th chapter. I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. 
and you know the way where I'm going. Remember he said that to the disciples. How, how can we know the way, Lord? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, God's steadfast love is trusting that the promises that wherever we go, God goes before us to welcome us home, just as he's been there every day of our life. If only we had eyes that celebrate God's steadfast love. Let's pray together. Our loving God, we, we come to you daily, uh, seeing the beauty of the place in which we live, and certainly this Oroville is a special place. The mockingbirds sing loudly and joyfully to be here. We thank you for your presence every day. It opens our senses to the things that are, and opens our faith to the things that will be. Fill us with your grace. Comfort those who are going through the dark valleys now. Help us to have always trust in your leading, and you will bring us home. Lord, hear our prayer. Amen.